The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Family Matters with your host, Dr. Virginia Collin. In this program, we will explore some of the challenges families face and the solutions they create in today's world where marriage, parenting, and family forms are not what they once were. Now, here is Dr. Virginia Collin. Welcome to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin. My guest today is Peter Rosenberger, author of Hope for the Caregiver. Peter is a radio host himself, and he has been taking care of his wife for a very long time as she dealt with a multiple medical problems. Welcome to the show, Peter. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Collin, for having me on. I'm glad to have you here. Let's jump right in. Um, Let's, you know, what would you like to tell people about um, your own history, what brought you to have um, a lot of experience and a lot of concern about how caregivers need themselves to have good care? Well, the Our country is facing an unprecedented issue here. Right now, there are 65 plus, 65 million plus Americans caring for a vulnerable loved one. I mean, they are taking care of aging parents or a disabled spouse or sibling, child, whatever, but they are volunteering to do this every single day. And that number is growing exponentially. Uh, because of this massive population of baby boomers that are aging. And we've never faced this before in our country. And and I, I've learned a few things over my journey. A lot of people are talking about this thing, but not a lot of people that have done what I've done. And I, I think by any standard of definition of expert, they tell me that 10,000 hours are needed to become an expert, to do something for 10,000 hours. Well, the average caregiver spends 39.7 hours a week taking care of somebody that's living in their home with them. By that definition, and by any other definition, really, I'm bringing 75,000 hours to this issue. I've been wow. taking care of my wife since I was 22 years old. Uh, I'm turning 52 this summer. She's had 78 operations, both of her legs amputated, $9 million in medical bills, 12 hospitals, 7 insurance companies, 60-plus doctors that I can count, and this is ongoing. This, wow. is not a, this is not something we reached a plateau and it's over. This has been ongoing for, for decades now, and she lives with extreme amount of pain. So into this situation, I've, I've learned a few things, and I, I want to speak into the lives of other folks that are going through it to say, okay, here's some landmines that I learned how to avoid. Here's some things I learned to save some, some heartache, and, and here's how you help a caregiver. See, a lot of times caregivers don't even really know how to ask for help. They don't know what help looks like. They don't know how to define it. And then other people come along and say, well, let us know if there's something you need. Well, now the caregiver has to think of something for other people to do. And, and so what I want to do is give the caregiver the vocabulary and the understanding of what help looks like to that caregiver and then give non-caregivers 
the vocabulary understanding of what help looks like to that caregiver. And and it's and it's not that hard. It's not something, Dr. Collin, that you got to go out and just kind of, uh, oh my gosh, go through a, a, an eight week class on how to do this. Some of these things you could take do in eight seconds. But that's what I want to do is take a lifetime of experience and offer a lifeline to fellow caregivers. So we can jump right into that. And part of this with family matters, and, and I heard it in your intro there, just the marriage relationships and so forth. And, and in my case, I'm taking care of a spouse. Well, just because another caregiver is not taking care of a spouse doesn't mean it's not going to have marriage implications. If you've got one spouse that's taking care of an aging parent, how is that going to affect the marriage of that caregiver and, and their spouse? I mean, you see the dynamic that can just permeate into the family. If, you're, if you live with somebody with chronic pain, uh, chronic pain, for example, has its own entity in the relationship. If you have a child with autism, how does that affect the rest of the family? Eight, uh, the, the divorce rate right now in, in families with a disabled family member, not necessarily a spouse, is almost 90%. Wow. I mean, these, these are startling numbers here. The dynamic that it causes on a family is, is brutal, and it's, it, it's so hard, and it, it is everywhere. There is not one demographic that is immune to this because the death rate in this country is still 100%. <laughs> we, still, we are still getting age, uh, older, and, and we have people that are dying. And you know what? And then you got all these families with special needs children or somebody who had trauma or had a uh, – in my case, my wife had a terrible accident when she was a freshman in college. And she rebounded from things, but it had lifetime implications that are still being felt today. She just got home minutes ago from her prosthetist where she's having her legs adjusted and, and her prosthetic limbs. So I mean, it's, it's ongoing and it's your blood, sweat, and treasure goes into taking this. So what does it look like to take care of a caregiver? And those are the things that I, I am so grateful you're allowing me to come on your show and talk about. Do most caregivers even recognize that they need somebody to take care of them? I think it's somewhere down, down in there that yes, it is, but it's almost... You're you're more and this this is more in your wheelhouse than mine, but it's almost like we have our own passive aggressive vendetta against ourselves. Um, we know that we need to do something for ourselves, but we feel guilty if we do something, and then we end up being resentful and hating uh, the cir- circumstances that we're in, and then we'll end up justifying going out and doing something that's destructive for ourselves. But I think down deep in our hearts, we do know that we need to do, be healthy, but. We, we lose our identity in this thing. We, we, we lose our sense of perspective. We become isolated. We don't, we don't think very well on our own because we're so enmeshed in the life of another person. And that's one of the first things that I like to do when talking to fellow caregivers or on my show or in my book or whatever else is to say, let's start using the I word. Because if you ask a caregiver, how are you doing? Watch what happens. The vast majority of them will say, well, we just got home from the hospital, or she's having a bad day, or he's not doing too well. They have a very difficult time speaking in first-person singular. I, I've struggled with that for so long. And so what I want to do is help that caregiver learn to first say, I hurt. I'm tired. I'm scared. I'm weary. I'm resentful. I'm hacked off. I hate this. Whatever it is. Let's, get, let's identify what's ever going on in the heart and give it a safe place to come out. Is it relatively easy 
to find safe places? Um, yes and no. I think that I think the safe places. This is what I encourage caregivers to do. The safe place for a caregiver is to go and find at least one counseling session a month with a trained mental health provider. Uh, you know, you can always go for pastoral counseling and so forth, but they're not set up for the long haul. That 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 would if if you don't know of a good mental health provider then you can ask your pastor maybe to refer you to one or your, your primary care doctor. But, but Dr. Collin, the, the problem with a lot of caregivers is 72% of us don't even go see our own doctor regularly. And, and How so, would you find the time? You're busy taking care of your wife. Well, but but if, you don't, if you do not make time for this, you're going to have to take time for illness. Uh, That's, good point. See, this is the paradigm shift that I've come to understand. You feel guilty if you take time for yourself. But what's going to happen is if you do not make time for yourself to be healthy, you're going to have to take time to be sick. And, and when's a convenient time to be sick? Never. When's a convenient time for me to stroke out? Never. And, and the, but we, we, we don't we, – what happens is we, we as caregivers become isolated. See, we suffer from the three eyes. We lose our identity. We lose our independence. And we become isolated, and it's that isolation is when we make bad decisions, and we are reactionary. So many caregivers are reacting all the time to whatever the day brings our way. We're just going to have to react to it. And See. and so I'm trying to teach myself, and in the process, equip others to respond to it, not react to it, and see if we can't position ourselves to make healthy decisions. And the way you're going to do that is you're going to have to push against that isolation by number I do, I'd use this 1 2 30 these are easy numbers Look, I don't come up with anything complicated Dr. Collin I, I, yeah. <laughs> 1 2 30 what is that about <laughs> 1 2 30 uh, when it comes to your emotional health 1 2 30 one counseling session a month two support groups a month minimum I go to at least two a week and 30 minutes, I mean, I mean uh, 30 times in church or your worship center or wherever a year, 30 times. You can't make it every Sunday or every Saturday or whatever time your, your particular worship service meets. But if you push to do that, to put yourself in a place of community, that's going to push against that isolation. Support mm-hmm. groups are, are critical. And, and um, if you... If, for every disease or event out there, usually there's a support group somewhere. And, and, and like if you're taking care of someone with Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or so forth, go to their website and find a support group. And if you don't know where else to go, uh, talk to your mental health counselor that you're seeing once a month and say, where's a good support group that may work for me? It may not be perfect to your set of circumstances. It may not be, you know, there's not a, believe it or not, there's not a support group for people who have taken care of their wife for 30 years through 78 surgeries and multiple amputations and $9 million. I mean, there's just not a lot of us out there. Right. However, there are enough people dealing with enough trauma in their life uh, in other areas that I can glean from that. I can learn from that. And, and I can watch how other people deal with stuff. And in the process, I'm pushing against that isolation. And that is so critical for a caregiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could imagine if you have a full-time job, which you probably need to have so somebody can pay the medical bills, and you're spending close to 40 hours a week taking care of one of your 
disabled members of the family, that doesn't leave a lot of time for yourself. No, but you're going to have to take it. And you're going to have to realize that if something happens to you, how is that loved one's life going to get better? Mm -hmm. I mean, think it through. How is my wife's life going to improve if I go down? Right. Given what she deals with, what's going to happen to her? And, and I do the same thing with our health. My health is, is paramount. I've got to have a, a healthy lifestyle. And so I go back with one, two, thirty again. One flu shot a year. And a lot of people say, well, I don't want to get a flu shot. It's a, it's a government conspiracy to tag us for alien invasion or something stupid like that. I don't know. <laughs> but, if, but look here. If the, if the Klingons attack, I don't want the flu, okay? I can't minimize – I mean, I can't eliminate the flu risk, but I can minimize it because I just don't have three or four days in December to be hugging a bowl somewhere because I didn't get a flu shot. Gotcha. You know, so you just – one flu shot a year. Or, you know what, if you're after 50, after 50 get a single shot, you know? Uh, and then two uh, – I recommend two well visits a year to your family doctor. One year, one for your annual physical, and the other six, uh, six months go, then get some blood work. Why, why wait a whole year to find out your cholesterol is, is spiking pretty high, or that your triglycerides are real high, that you're borderline diabetic, or you know, your blood pressure is real high? Why wait a whole year to find out that? When you can go over there and just get some lab work done and just check in with your, your own personal physician. Okay. And, and, and then 30 minutes a day of something physical. Now, you don't have to go out and time it with a spreadsheet or anything like that. Just push yourself to do something physical, even if it's a walk around the block. I do martial arts. And, and it's, uh, it's, I, I don't get to go every day. I go uh, three times a week. But that's my mm-hmm. time to go out there and stretch and sweat and push myself physically. And I'm, I'm going to try to keep doing more um, of things such as that just because as, as I can continue to get older, I need to be healthier and stronger. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's my wife needs me to be at bring my A game to the table. Well, how okay. am I going to do that if I'm 200 pounds overweight and my blood pressure's spiking and and you know, uh, you, you follow the train of thought. I, now. I understand. Yeah, you got to take good care of yourself, or there isn't going to be somebody to take good care of her. Well, and a lot of people say, well, we got to eat well and take you know your diet and, all that, and they say take good care of yourself, but. What I want to do is go into very specific things you can do today. One, two, thirty, easy stuff. I mean, easy peasy stuff. It doesn't. Cost, how much money does that all cost? That I just said. You know, it just. Doesn't, um, we're not talking a lot of money here, and that's when people can, if they really want to help a caregiver, you say, "When's the last time you saw your doctor? Can I sit it. with your loved one while you go see your doctor?" That and all sounds of a sudden, really helpful. Wow, we're really helping somebody now. Mm-hmm. Because it's about creating a sustainable infrastructure. I mean, think about it. You know, we're in, I'm in the South. You know, we know what to do when there's a short-term problem. You know, wherever two or three are gathered, we bring macaroni and cheese. I mean, we got that down. You know, but a bit, you can only take so many meals to somebody before somebody's got to learn how to cook. You can right. only give a financial gift to somebody before somebody's got to go earn a living, and learn how to manage money. 
And so what I've tried to do is create a sustainable infrastructure. This is not a short-term thing where we're just going to take some meals to somebody and they're going to get over it and they're going to be okay and, and oh, yeah, this is all better. We'll bring you some tuna noodle casserole and, and everything. You know, no, this is I, – I was speaking at a church not too terribly long ago and I asked the group there and I said, okay, I've told you my story. If somebody like me came into your church, how would you help somebody like me? And one lady is very kind and she said, well, I'd offer to come clean your house. And I thought, well, you know, that is very gracious of you. Thank you. This has been going on for more than a quarter of a century. Are you ready for that level of commitment? And she said, well, I didn't think about that. I said, well, take a moment, because that's the reality of caregivers. There's no expiration date on the horizon. And so what are we going to do? We have to create a sustainable infrastructure. These are not Band-Aids. And this is a way of life. And, and a lot of times we think, uh, I, I heard this the other day, Dr. Collier, it just broke my heart. A lady came up to me, and she said, you know, when my father got sick, I threw everything into taking care of him. But I didn't watch my own business, and this thing drug on for several years, and I turned around, and I, I ended up going bankrupt. I, I lost my business. She mm. put her life on hold to take care of someone else. Well, you can't do that. I can't put my life on hold to do that. You can do it for you know a week, maybe even two weeks, maybe even a month. But how many people can put their business on hold for three, four, five years, or in my case, three decades? Yeah, that wouldn't work very well. No. So you've got to have a sustainable infrastructure. You've got to think a little bit. You've got to plan. And it doesn't require you going to get your PhD. It just simply means you've got to walk through step by step and let's start asking better questions let's start making some decisions in our life you know uh, parents with special needs children in some ways grasp this better than children taking care of aging parents because the moment a child with special needs is born you've got to start thinking beyond your own grave that's true We're going to take a break now. I'm talking with Peter Rosenberger, and we will be back talking about how you create a sustainable infrastructure to take care of yourself so that you can continue to take care of another family member after the break. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. 
No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co-parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way. Mediation. Save time, save money, and save your children. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's A-P-F-M-N-E-T dot org. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, Please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at com. Now, back to Family Matters. Welcome back to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin. Today I'm talking with Peter Rosenberger, author of Hope for the Caregiver, a book in which he discusses practical, compassionate help for caregivers of family members who have long-term disabilities or illnesses. So before the break, we were talking about developing a sustainable plan for taking care of the caregiver so the caregiver can, can take care of another person. I wanted to ask Peter to tell me about, just give us an example of a family that had to work this out and how they solved the problem. Well, I was meeting uh, a while back with a uh, fellow that lives not far from me here. We met for some coffee, and he's a retired physician. And I I was watching him, and he was very, you could just tell it was just weighing on him. His wife has Parkinson's. And you can just tell it was weighing heavy, heavy, heavy on him. And he was stirring his coffee kind of absently, and, and um, he had gained a good bit of weight because uh, he, he used to be a pretty trim fellow, but he gained a good bit of weight. And he said, I miss playing golf with my buddies. He just kind of muttered quietly. And I looked at him, I said, do you have the resources? Now, first, remember I talked about the three eyes that caregivers go through. They lose their independence, they become isolated, and they lose their identity. And, I, and he's already said he's lost his independence and he's become isolated. I miss playing golf with my buddies. And I said, do you have the resources to bring some help into the house to help you with her? Mm-hmm. And he said, she's not comfortable with that. Now, notice how he answered the question. He didn't say, right. yes, I have. He used third person singular. Again, that's that loss of identity the caregivers go through. They have a very difficult time articulating from their own heart. And he said, she's not comfortable with that. And I looked at him and I said, I didn't ask. Now, I don't think he would have taken this from anybody but me. Uh, but because he knows that I, my journey and what I've done, he at least didn't throw me out and you know punch me in the face or something. Because <laughs> I, I was very direct with him. I said, sometimes we have to make unilateral decisions for the betterment of the unit. She's got her stuff so up in her face, that's all she can see. And you have to make good decisions for the unit, not just for what she wants. And I said, we need to help you pry your hands 
off of the wheelchair and put them on the golf club where they belong. And to his credit, he made the call to a wonderful organization that I know. I know the principals of this organization. They're good people that do home health aids. And they started coming in two or three days a week. And I asked him, I said, how would you like to have someone come to your house and then you go play golf, you play a round of golf, and maybe two rounds of golf, you come home and your wife has had a bath, dinner's been prepared, the house is clean, she's got her nightgown on and she's ready for bed, you know, and all this, and, and everything's settled. How would you like that? And he, he had tears in his eyes. And he said, I, I can't imagine. And I said, you're one phone call away from that. Make the call. And to his credit, he made the call. And it changed his life. And he was able to get out and start playing golf a couple times a week. Not because he didn't care about his wife. He cares about her very deeply. But he's got to do this for him. Otherwise, it will suck him down. These things, sometimes the illnesses and the, the injuries and the disabilities that our loved ones have, have their own gravity to them. And they mm-hmm. will suck us down into that. And, and it'll kill us. Yeah. I've seen it too many times. And it, it's heartbreaking what happens. Because we feel guilty because the loved one is so needy and they are, they're so panicked and they hold on so tight. No, 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 you can't leave me. You've got to be here with me. You've got to be here with me. And, and I'm saying to them, no. And my wife was exactly the same way on a lot of things with me. It's a scary thing. Mm-hmm. But in the process, what's, what she's learned, and, she is, and, and she'd be the first to tell you, is it's important for me to go to a support group. It's important for me to go to martial arts. It's important for me to take a break mm-hmm. because I become a real unpleasant person. And, and here's, here's the thing I've learned. You can't push a wheelchair with clenched fist. Try right. it sometime. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, can't I push can your see wheelchair with clenched I can see how someone who feels... So committed to taking good care of someone whose medical needs are huge and all-consuming. You could get so busy with that that it would be impossible not to feel resentful. It, and it, that's not a good way to go. It is only a matter of time and a very small amount of steps to go from feeling obligated to feeling resentful. Right. And, and that's why I try to tell people to push back against that obligation. See, we caregivers live in what I call a fog. And it's fear, obligation, and guilt, fog, which leads to heartache, anger, and turmoil, which spells fog hat, because I like 70s music. And uh, that's funny, by the way. Do y'all have a laugh track? Because that's just funny. <laughs> no, we don't have a laugh track. All you you got to get a laugh track for your show here. Um, but, <laughs> excuse me, fear, obligation, and guilt. And that is what drives so many caregivers. And, and when you're in the fog, and again, the fog isolates you on your own. Go back, and, go back and look at the tragic story of what happened with John F. Kennedy Jr. He was flying his plane with his wife and his sister-in-law in it. And he was not instrument rated. He was going by his own senses, his line of sight. And he was going to use the lights off of Martha's Vineyard or wherever he was flying. And it didn't work out. And you can get so disoriented up in those small planes. And he flew right into the ocean and didn't even realize it until it was too late, and he took his loved ones with him. You've got to rely on, when you're in a fog, when you can't trust your own senses, you've got to rely on external things to help guide you through this. You cannot rely on your own senses. 
my mind is a dangerous place to go into unaccompanied. <laughs> you know, I just don't want to go there by myself. And and there's a wonderful verse in Proverbs that says, you know, lean not on your own understanding. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. These are things that are are important things to remember that that you get isolated and you make bad decisions. And all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, 50, 60, 70, 100 pounds overweight, your money's in trouble, you're, you're isolated from your friends and your community, and you're turning into a bitter husk of a person. That's unacceptable. How are you being a good caregiver if that's what your life is like? Okay, I got the fog part down, the fear and the obligation and the guilt. What was that hat you mentioned? Fog hat. And that leads to heartache, anger, and turmoil. In it, every time. Fear, obligation, and guilt will lead to heartache, anger, and turmoil. Every single time. So don't be listening to fog hat. No, listen to fog hat. Slow ride. Doo, 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 you know. <laughs> it's uh, it you know it's the the, the fog is is it just we we become uh, the the truth becomes obfuscated to us we can't see it and so you have to rely on things that are beyond your own judgment. Okay. Do not rely on your own judgment. Your best thinking, my best thinking, my best thinking got me into a lot of trouble. Okay. So, <laughs> so this would be where. The one, two, thirty, the counselor and the support group, and well, I guess not so much the exercise, but maybe the exercise too that comes no, but, in, <laughs> so you don't get that, lost in the fog. Well, the, the the support group, the the one, two, thirty for the the emotional component of your life, one, two, thirty, one counseling session a month. Just check in with the train, and you don't have to go to a psychiatrist. It can be something a little bit more affordable, like a licensed clinical social worker or a licensed mental health counselor or psychologist or whatever. You don't necessarily need to bring an MD into it. Uh, but a licensed mental health professional mm-hmm. who can guide you with some good counsel in this thing and recognize the, the, the stressors that you're under. And then two mm-hmm. support groups a month minimum. Mm-hmm. Now, you can go to two support groups. You have to go. This is not a question of you, you should do this. You must do this or you're not going to make it. Okay. And if you don't make it, what happens to them? See, they may not make it. They have some very, very difficult things that they're dealing with, our loved ones. But you have to make it because it's a two-for-one if you go down. Let's talk a little bit about doctors and health insurance. You must have to deal with that a lot. What have you learned, and what do you teach other people about how to deal with that? Well, first off, what I've learned about the healthcare system in this country, it's not as complicated as Washington would make you think. I mean, these guys are $18 trillion in debt, and none of them have to live under the, own, the rules that they impose on other people. So don't take their word for it. What do they know about healthcare? <laughs> so it's not as complicated as you think. However, you don't want to go out and, and insure your car after you wreck it. Okay, uh-huh. State Farm and Allstate and all these other people, I guarantee you they will never write a policy for a car that you total before, you, you know, and then you come to them wanting a policy. They're not going to do it. You have to get a policy up front before the crisis. Health insurance is, in the event something happens, I'm covered. So go, if you haven't gotten it, and I don't know why you wouldn't at this point, uh, don't tell me you can't afford it because I worked in jobs or your employer doesn't offer, I worked in jobs for, for year, decades that I didn't particularly want simply because I wanted to make sure I had health insurance. My wife has been uninsurable since 83, and I've had six different uh, 
policy changes since then and not one gap in coverage. So it can be done. You just have to maybe drive an older car, give up having a big screen TV. You know, there's some, you just have to make it a priority. It has to be a priority, and you have to be willing to work in a place that will cover it. And, and then when you deal with health insurance companies, it's not that complicated either. Don't, now, health care is complicated. Being a doctor is complicated. But health insurance, it's not that complicated. It's all about math. Don't get emotionally involved in it. When they bring uh, scissors to a fight, you bring a calculator. You know, they're going to try to cut stuff, and you just bring a calculator. I had a, one time I had a home health care nurse that I wanted to come out and change a dressing on my wife. Earlier that year, she'd been hospitalized for about six or seven weeks for an infection. It was a pretty rough situation. And I wanted them to come out and change this dressing on her. And they said, well, your policy doesn't cover this. I said, well, I don't care. Send the, send the nurse anyway. This is foolish. You need to have somebody out there doing this, a professional. Well, your policy doesn't cover this. I said, I don't really care. She said, you don't understand, Mr. Rosenberg. And I said, no, you don't understand. Pull up her records from earlier this year. Find out how much it cost the last time she was hospitalized. Weigh that against what she, you're going to be charged if you send a nurse out here. Do the math and then call me back. And I hung up on him. I got a call 90 minutes later. We're sending a nurse. Because I like your negotiating they, style there. Well, but I didn't have to get emotional about it. It's not an emotional issue. It's a business issue. It's a cost issue to say, look, and, and if you appeal it, I've appealed it. I've been told no by many insurance companies. I've never lost an appeal. I've had two appeals that we went down and the doctor said, no, we're going to change direction. It's going to take too long. I've changed my mind. I want to go somewhere else. But once the doc said that she's got to have it, I, I, I never stopped. I was relentless. Mm-hmm. And I will be relentless. I will take it all the way to the Supreme Court if I have to, if, if she's got to have it. And, and I will show them it's in their best interest to do it. And if they screw around with me on it, I'll admit her. I'll, I will take her to the ER, and there's not an ER in this, in this country that won't look at all of her challenges and say, this girl needs to be hospitalized. And I don't, play, I, I, I don't play games with these guys. I really don't. And, 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 and neither should you as a caregiver, uh, uh, those of you who are listening to this are, that are caregivers. You don't need to play games, but you don't need to get emotionally involved with it. You don't need to say, okay. I mean, it, let it ruin your night and just say, look, this is business. Okay. And if, so if you, you ask for what you really need, and then you insist that you get what you really need. Yeah. Now, you've got to do your homework. Now, if the doctor says, well, you know, you're going to need a you know, breast augmentation, <laughs> make sure that you really need that. You know, I mean, don't you, you don't don't ruin your credibility by being, you know, foolish with stuff. Okay. Uh, know, does you, that happen much that doctors recommend treatment that isn't really necessary or important? Um, it can. It depends on the situation, and I've seen it. And and you got to if if the doc says no, this is a situation where she's got to have it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the mat. Uh, okay. There's been a few things that we had some things and that were it were a little bit iffy and that's why we 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 sat down and we looked at it strategy wise and now we're going to go a different way and it may be a particular drug that they don't want to cover but then you look at it and say okay do we really got to absolutely 100 percent have this drug and if not what can we do instead mm-hmm. um, and so you know there's always kinds of things it's not necessarily frivolous surgical procedures it could be just something you know durable medical equipment or whatever. Do you have to have an electric versus a manual of something? You know, there's all kinds of the types of prosthetics or whatever. 
So you don't, you know, just make sure you do your homework and make sure your credibility is is not compromised by things that you know. Okay, we really don't need to have this. But if 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 you got to have, you know, if you need to have a nurse coming out and checking on dressings and so forth like that, don't don't take no for an answer. I don't. Mm-hmm. Does it often happen that people are so distraught that they really can't figure it out on their own and be business like about it? They need to maybe have somebody else yes. help them with that. Yes, it does. And there are wonderful groups out there. One of them is a sponsor of my show, and they, they have a whole care advocate side where they will assign a, a really, really top-notch uh, medical professional, a nurse or whatever, nurse practitioner, to your case. And they will negotiate with doctors and with insurance companies and everything else to, on your behalf. They will work with you. They will, they will do what I do for my wife. Mm-hmm. And I would recommend those types of services. They're out there. And uh, if and, and certainly if you live in Nashville, Tennessee, I can point you to one. But if, wherever uh, you may be listening to the show, there are services out there, care advocate type services. And I'd really recommend exploring it because I've got 30 years on. You know, I don't think these, most people have that kind of learning curve, uh, time for that kind of learning curve of what I've been able to assimilate over the years. Right. And and so, but but you don't try this alone, man. Do not right. try this alone. Uh, you got to get some profession, and that's start again with that counselor. Start again with going to your own doctor, and 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 your doctor could recommend somebody. A, ca- a good counselor can recommend somebody to help with these sort of things. That makes and by sense way, to me. Doctors, and I asked, just oh, just ahead. to be really clear, we are talking about somebody to be an advocate to help you sort out what kind of care your loved one needs. This is different from somebody who's actually going to come in and help take care of your loved one. That is true. You can do you. There, there are two different types of service. One is a home health aide that they'll come in, and that could be just somebody to do light housekeeping and grooming and bathing and that kind of stuff all the way up to skilled care, which brings in uh, folks to do more complicated things when you have uh, more complicated types of disabilities and so forth. Then you have care advocate services. And care advocate services will, will go to doctor appointments with your loved one. They, will, they are trained, licensed medical, medical health professionals. And they can help navigate through the swamp of this thing. And I would, I would heartily recommend you engaging with somebody like that. Yeah, so it sounds like it would be really great to have both kinds of help if you've got a complicated situation. If you've got a complicated situation, absolutely. And I know that these things, you think, well, where are the resources for this? Well, let's just find, find out the people, the players first. Sometimes it's not a lack of resources. Sometimes it's just a lack of resourcefulness. Okay. Well, we'll come back to that after a break. I'm talking today with Peter Rosenberger, author of Hope for the Caregiver. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co-parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way. Mediation. Save time, save money, and save your children. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. 
That's A-P-F-M-N-E-T dot org. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radioshow at collinfamilymediationgroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. Welcome back to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin. My guest today is Peter Rosenberger, author of Hope for the Caregiver. Peter has, of necessity, become an expert about how you take care of yourself when you have to take care of someone you love very much who has chronic, serious medical problems. It occurs to me that the position you're in, Peter, and the position the people you work with are in is a really stressful one. I work a lot with families dealing with one sort of stress or another, uh, often in conflict situations. Um, I think you have a good story for us about that. Well, I do. I just had a, a lady call into my show recently, and, and gives, she just provided me with the, uh, unfortunately, uh, stereotypical story. She's taking care of her aging mother with Parkinson's, and the rest of her family is not helping. And if I have found, if somebody steps up to help, other people are willing to let them do it. <laughs> I bet you've seen that too, haven't you? I think I've seen that in my own family. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a uh, uh, one person usually ends up getting the brunt of it, and until they raise enough ruckus that's not going to change but she didn't know what to do and 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 so i told her i said well do you feel comfortable confronting your family i don't think you sound like you feel real comfortable with that she said absolutely not i said well what is their plan if something happens to you and she said well i don't think they have one and i said so right now they're content to let you just take care of mama all by yourself and they're just living their life and and you're bearing the brunt of this thing and getting 
more frustrated, more resentful, all the things you and I talked about here. Her health is going down. She's gotten overweight, and she, she volunteered that information. And, um, and I said, well, I tell you what, here's what I would recommend. Sit down with a good social worker, uh, and your doctor can recommend one. Your pastor should be able to recommend one. There are a lot of people out there that you can call up the local hospital and say, I need a social worker. Uh, uh, but sit down with a social worker. And start developing a confrontational plan to deal with the family. Not with the patient, not with the mom, but with the rest of the family. And say, okay, we're going to have to confront them with the reality of this thing and, and, and develop a plan where they're going to have to start engaging and be helpful. And I said, it'll take a little bit of time, but it's not, not too much. And a trained professional who's not emotionally involved and have the baggage that you carry with it is going to be able to help mediate through that and walk you guys gently through the the, the landmine field uh, that that this could be because you've seen this, Dr. Colin. I mean, families come to blows over taking care of an aging loved one, or you know, particularly if there's an estate involved, or there's a home involved, or things and money and so forth. I mean, it can get ugly and ruin relationships. It can, and and, and so it's best to be able to. Call you, for example. Sit down with them. I mean, you're, you're the person to do this. You're the mediator and, and develop a plan because you've got the training, you have the expertise, you've got the experience, and you don't have the emotional uh, baggage that somebody would have for that kind of thing. And you're mm-hmm. able to be objective and clear-headed and do this in a way that's going to help navigate the family through it. And that's such a, a much better way for the, than this woman to just keep taking on the chance. So that's what I told her. And so I said, now look, you've got to call me back on the show and let me know how this worked out. I haven't heard back from her yet. So I'm hoping that she's taking it to heart. But all you can do is put it out there and, and hope that people will, will do that. But that's, that's how you do it. Do not try to somehow do this alone. And if you, if you don't confront the family... Uh, then you risk yourself becoming more and more resentful, more and more bitter, and this thing going into a very dark place. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just tragic. It doesn't need to happen. It's mm-hmm. bad enough that your mother has Parkinson's. It's bad enough that you're watching a loved one decline. But that doesn't mean you have to miss out on joyful moments with them. You can celebrate their life even while going through it. And the name of my book is Hope for the Caregiver. I named it that not because it's a... a you know, a Hallmark card type of thing, you know, to care, to share, to be there, let the wind of love flow through your hair kind of stuff. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to give pie in the sky here. Hope for the caregiver means you can have a more peaceful, a more joyful, a more rewarding, a more serene life, even while having to look at some very, very grim, harsh things. Just because what our loved one is going through is brutal, and harsh and ugly and painful doesn't mean we have to become grim and harsh and ugly and painful. And we can, we can even weep in this thing from a healthy place. And when it comes down to it, Dr. Collin, you know what? I'd rather change a dressing for my wife with tears in my eyes rather than doing it while gnashing my teeth. Mm-hmm. You know? And I've done both. I mean, I'm sad to say, I mean, my, my, my successes are astonishing. My failures are epic. And, you know, I've, I've, I've had to go back and make amends on levels that just, uh. So, uh, you know, I, 
it's sad what has happened to her. It's sad what she has to go through. It's not going to be better if I'm just turning into a bitter, resentful person. And I can, I can care for her, and I can love her, and I can even weep over this thing. I can mm-hmm. groan with her, but I don't have to be miserable. It's wonderful that you figured that out and that you can share that knowledge and, and the idea, the practical ideas about how you actually put that in practice. Um, it's great that you can do that for people. Well, it's, it's really a privilege to do so, and, and you know, I'm trying to reach that, that 22-year-old version of myself who took this thing on with, armed with just a lot of love and a goofy sense of humor, but really nothing much else, <laughs> and, and to, to pull that kid aside and say, look, man, this, there's going to be some, some rough, rough roads ahead of you, and here's how you're going to stay healthy. You know, the valley of the shadow of death is a long valley sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, but it doesn't, we don't have to be miserable. And that is our hope as caregivers, that we can learn to be a healthy, whole person, even while taking care of a tragic situation. Mm-hmm. One of the recommendations you made early in our conversation today was to stay very much involved, very much in touch with your faith community, to go at least 30 times a year. Maybe you can't go every week, but close to every other week. What advice do you have for people who feel feel isolated from their church or temple or mosque or whatever their faith community is? Well, you you have to make the first step. You have to decide that it's important to you. You know, they can come knock on the door. They can come to try to do home visitations. But if you're not willing to start speaking in first person singular and say, I hurt, I need to be a part of this. I need to participate. I'm scared. I don't know what this is going to look like. But learn to speak in those I words. Go to your priest. Go to your rabbi. Go to your, your, your pastor, whatever. And just say, I hurt. And if they blow you off, Find a different church, find a different mosque, synagogue, whatever. Because I, I don't that that they're in the business of caring for the brokenhearted. I mean, I come from the Christian faith, and and that's our mission to to reach the brokenhearted, and 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 to lift these folks up with the same comfort. Uh, Peter that says in one of his epistles that we ourselves have received, and and I have a responsibility to be a steward of this. Uh, I've been given. I've been the recipient of a lot of care over the years. I've been. I tell people I've been raised by a pack of therapists. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I've been the recipient of a lot of care, and I have a responsibility to be a good steward of this and offer that same care to others. So go to your go to your church, go to your place of worship, and say I hurt, and I don't know what it looks like to be plugged in. Get my book; it'll show you what it looks like. But listen to my radio show. Listen to this show. Engage yourself in community of people who are speaking these things in your life. The lifeline is out there. Again, it's not a lack of resources. It's lack of resourcefulness. But you have, to, you have to reach your hand out, however timid it is, and say, I, I, I need help. I need help. Now, you've been in the, the mental health world for a long time, and you've been counseling people in some rough situations for a long time. And it's mighty hard to help somebody who doesn't think they need it. It is. You know, and, and you caregivers that are listening to this right now, 
first step is saying, I got a problem, man. I need help. I'm hurting. And and there's help out there. There are people out there who will walk slow walk you back from the ledge. But you've just, just got to decide at some point that you don't want to jump anymore. Okay. Let me throw one more question at you, at least one more question. Um, a lot of times a difficulty is that someone with serious medical is- issues, it's somewhat, sometimes it's mostly related to just getting older and older and older, but sometimes it's a different kind of accident or disability. People have to make a decision. Should I put this person in a nursing care facility or can I let my mom or dad age in place because that's what he or she wants to do. Do you have advice for families who are facing that sort of decision? I do. I have one of the sponsors of my show is a company that's called Aging in Place uh, Transition Services. And that's a huge, huge industry that is popping up because you don't necessarily help them by putting them quickly in assisted living. You're taking them out of a home that may be paid for and putting them into a facility that is not. And it may be a situation where all you need is some adaptive equipment. If they're having some dementia problems or whatever, uh, they're going to get even more disoriented if you take them out of their home. So before you start making the decision, oh, my gosh, i got to go get assisted living, let's look at their house. Let's look at maybe a mother-in-law suite or something and see if you can't make adaptive equipment where it's there and they're safe and they're, they're in, a, in a familiar environment around family and so forth. Um, that's, I think we've been too quick. A lot of people have been too quick to say we've got to put them someplace when you can make a lot of adaptive equipment to your own home. My house is handicap accessible. And, and my parents, for example, they have a house with a, they had a basement and the laundry was downstairs. Well, the laundry now has been moved upstairs, so all their living is on the first, on the first floor there for them. Mm-hmm. And it's much easier for them to navigate. Dad has just been diagnosed with Parkinson's. So he's, you know, they, they don't need to be going down a lot of stairs. But now let's move everything so that it's all contained. And then they're, they're very happy in their own home, and they're very, doing very well. They've got a lot of family that checks in on them and so forth. But you don't have to go rush off to the, to the assisted living or nursing home just because you get a grim diagnosis with some things or because they may be just getting a little bit more mobile impaired. Do you have a sense of what the financial comparison is between putting, say, your mom in an assisted living facility versus paying for some home health aides to come in and help take care of her in her own home where you've made some adjustments so that it's, she has adaptive equipment if she needs it? Well, very quickly, the little bit of time we have left, roughly if a home health care aid is going to be roughly about 20 bucks an hour. Adaptive mm-hmm. equipment, it's a fixed cost. You get it, and it's done. And, but if you put them into an assisted living facility and so forth, you're looking at five, six, $7,000 a month, depending on the, the quality of it. That's so a lot. That's a lot of money. And make sure that they – do they really need 24-hour care? Do they just need somebody to come in and help them with some light meals and housekeeping and make sure they have grab bars? You could set up uh, electronic devices for monitoring. They've got devices that if they get out of their bed – and they're not back in their bed in a pre-programmed time, it'll send you a text. Wow. I mean, there's so many resources out there. Don't be so quick to just, oh, we got to go put mama in a home. There are a lot of resources out there. Well, that's really great to know. We have maybe 30 seconds left. Is there anything that you'd like to repeat or anything you'd like to add to what you've said? 
Well, go to caregiverswithhope.com. I've got a whole bunch of resources out there, but I will say one thing to those people who are pulling their hair out, dealing with their loved one who is impaired. They may have mobility impairments or drugs or uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Mental health issues. They're not doing it to you. They're just doing it. You don't have to take everything so personal. You just happen to be the one that's closest and catching most of it, but they're not doing it to you. They're just doing it. See the heart, not the chart, and recognize that you can love from a free heart you don't have to demand that they give something back and take that burden off of you. Don't put that, that kind of pressure on yourself. Okay, good advice. Thank you very much, Peter Rosenberger. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on Family Matters. Please tune in for another edition featuring host Dr. Virginia Collin next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be kind, heal, and grow.